Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
Good to see everybody this morning. Glad that you are here on the cold, semi-snow, semi a little bit snow on the ground. And speaking of that, uh, those of you that are going out the front this morning, I'm going to stand at the right side door and then we can try to go out that way because that left door still got quite a bit of ice. And we want you to be careful. If you want to stay out the back, that's fine too. I think all the back entrances are, are pretty clear. Uh, we're going to have a uh, service at 9, 545. Uh, did we ever find anything out about the youth building? I don't know about the youth building. I'll tell Brian to send out a, uh, an announcement. Brian uh, will be watching. Uh, send out an announcement. Those of you that uh, I don't know where Brian's at this morning, uh, he had a cold. been blaming me all week, but I took three tests, and they're all negative. I have a common ordinary cold, and Superman got over his. Uh, Wimpy, he's been whining all week long, but anyway, uh, I'll pray for Brian, particularly for Paige, because she's coming in here. But anyway, uh, don't know about the YouTube. Brian sent out something to let you guys know, but we'll, we'll be doing uh, services at 9 Appreciate Keith uh, jumping in and, and taking over for Brian. Uh, got several announcements. Taylor's got one. I'm going to let her come first and uh, make her Tonight, sign up on Flock. Uh, those can do it also on Facebook. Just go to the uh, Flock app or on Facebook or sign up on anything you see out that. Spaghetti slaw, salad rolls, and dessert. Uh, this is going for kids. This is the kids' is playground this week. Right? And speaking of the playground, Megan said be sure to uh, let you know that next week we'll be taking up an offer for the playground. Uh, if you want to uh, be prepared to give for that. Uh, next week's going to really kind of be a highlight of our kids. Our kids will be doing their musical next Sunday morning. I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, so you'll want to get there early, I promise, to get a seat uh, next Sunday. I'm sure we'll have a packed house. But uh, be praying for our little kids' choir because they're going to be practicing again Wednesday night and then doing the uh, musical next Sunday. So looking forward to that. Our senior adults, we're going Tuesday at uh, 4.30 p.m. Uh, to uh, Boyette's there. Don't forget, we are uh, 
so that we are prayerful in our observations. There should be some uh, prayer guide in the offering plates. There's some on the table that the kids have passed out, passed out a few as well. But uh, be in prayer for our missionaries, and not just in North America, but all around the world. This is a, this is a difficult time to be in the mission field uh, as we think about some of the conflict that's going on in our world today. And then finally, a thank you letter from uh, Mr. Berlinski and Brent Bennett for all the things that y'all have done uh, in uh, taking care of uh, them and being one of their mothers. Um, we always think that mothers are just uh, the cards and the cards and just the, the blessings that we have. Mr. 
that type of crowd that here to visit with us online. Glad that uh, you have uh, checked in with us, and we're glad that you're worshiping with us online today. But after we've had a chance, God, we're up and we're we'll continue in our worship. Uh, as we say, the fellowship forth the right now, turn and greet the guest room. Say thank you. Thank you. 
Take your Bible this morning and open to Matthew 24. Our little guys, you can make your way to Children's Church. Matthew 24. We started a series uh, last week looking at uh, Matthew 24 and 25. We said that we would be 
in these two chapters, and I've been on for some time, uh, breaking out what Jesus uh, tells us here uh, over the next uh, several weeks together. We may take a break during Easter, uh, and uh, before Easter, we can uh, look at the cross for a Sunday or two. But uh, we said that what we have in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 is Jesus answering question. It's the longest answer that Jesus gives in recording scripture to any question. And it is the question about how do we know that his coming, his second coming is at hand. How do we know to discern the times? And what Jesus does here is he gives us a preview, kind of like it did last week to a movie trailer. And we said that what Jesus does is he gives us bits and pieces of things that will make up what the times look like in the second coming. And so he does that in chapter 24. Chapter 25, he actually gives uh, parables uh, that go deeper into that understanding about what that time is going to be like. I'm going to read you uh, a news article from Politico, dated 3 22 Miracle Ukraine. Corpses lie in the street in Maripol. Hungry people break into stores in search of food, melt snow and water. Thousands huddle in basements, trembling at the sound of Russian shells pounding the strategic port city. Why shouldn't I cry? Doma Jana demanded as she grabbed by the light and wall lamp the whole ground, surrounded by women and children. She said, I want my home. I want my job. I'm so sad about people and about the city and the children. Political went on to say, a humanitarian crisis is unfolding and encircling this city of 430,000. And as Tuesday broke, no relief was in sight. An attempt to evacuate the civilians and deliver badly needed food supplies through a designated safe corridor that failed. Ukrainian officials say Russian forces have fired upon the convoy before they reach the city. And ever since Tuesday, the news has gotten worse and worse and greater and greater. And in fact, I think the report coming out today reported that American Germans that have been shot Most of us have been glued to the TV lately. We watch these awful events unfold. We have been witness to one of the greatest humanitarian crises, perhaps in our lifetime. Some two million people are now refugees in a war that now stretches beyond the two-year mark. And uh, our hearts go out to them. We think uh, how most of those refugees are living in Georgia. Our passage this morning that I was to look at could not be more timely in the setting of our world than it is in our world today. I want you to look with me again. We read some of this last week. We'll add a couple of verses to this. Matthew 24, beginning in verse 1. Jesus has left the temple, and he's going away with his disciples. 
says is, I think clubs are becoming what the contractions are getting harder, stronger. They're getting, they're getting more intense. But not only is there an indication of a painful experience, an indication of a joyful experience. You know, even though the, the contractions were coming on, we had a joy. Because what? We had a baby on the way. We didn't know whether we were going to go out and grow. We just knew that we had a baby. And then came that moment. And, and you know, at that moment, the day I had her, all the pain and all the hurt she had gone through, she just didn't know what she had on. I just knew she was about to go home. And we worked out the toes and the fingers and trying to figure out in what way she wanted it. And
there's never going to be a lightning. Uh, the world will say this guy's got it going on, and uh, he will rise to power. And at the, at the end of the first three and a half years, he's going to walk into the temple there in Jerusalem. The temple is going to be rebuilt. By the way, the temple has not been rebuilt yet, but it will be rebuilt in that tribulation period. And he will do the work of that temple, and he will set himself upon the throne, and he will declare that he is the Christ, and he will demand that all of the world worship him. If you don't have the mark of the beast, if you don't bow, if you don't worship him, then you will suffer the persecution and the wrath of the Antichrist. It's in that period that the Jewish people who have been blinded by God because of their rejection of Jesus will have their eyes open. They will see what they have done. They will see the truth of the scriptures being uh, lived out, and they will know. And the Bible says that. For those who are alive, those Jewish people, it will be hell on earth. And the next three and one half years, or that seven years, the Bible says will be a time of what they call the great tribulation. The first three and a half will be nothing compared to the last three and a half years. And that three and a half year period will be a horrible time. Seven years total, divided in half. One part bad, the second part worse. But listen, at the end of that seven years, at the end of that seven years, Jesus returns. And all of us who are with Jesus return to him. And there's one great battle, the battle of Armageddon. And it is that battle in which uh, the Antichrist is defeated and, uh, and will be judged and chained in hell for a thousand years. Now, it's that battle of Armageddon that I want to think about with you for a moment. So take your Bible and turn over to Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel is a, is a fascinating book. Uh, he is uh, a prophet who prophesies, uh, and he prophesies, uh, he, he gives prophetic uh, prophecy of the Lord about the temple and about the end of days and also the millennial period. We're going to come back to Ezekiel in a few weeks and talk about the millennial period and what life will be like on earth during uh, that time. But, uh, but this morning, look at chapter 38. And we'll read a few of these passages. I want you to listen to what uh, Ezekiel has to say here by way of the word. And he tells us, number one, the word of the Lord came to me. So this is God speaking to Ezekiel through the Holy Spirit. Son of man, set your face towards God of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tupac, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O God, chief priest of Meshach and Tupac, and I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws and bring you out. And all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding sword, Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, and all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his horse, that took a from the uttermost parts of the north. 
that say, I will go up against the land of unloved villages. I will fall upon the quiet people who dwell secure. All of them dwelling without walls, having no bars or gates, to seize spoil, to carry off plunder, to turn your head against the waste places that are not inhabited, and the people who are gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and wood, who dwell at the center of the earth, and I think that's a reference to Jerusalem, Sheba and the Dan, and the merchants of Tarshish, and all its leaders will say to you, Have you come to see spoil? Have you assembled your host to carry on plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and wood, and to seize great spoil? Now look down at verse 18. But on that day, the day that God shall come against the land of Israel, that's why he says uh, Jerusalem, because he mentions it again, and he says clearly here this is Israel. Against the land of Israel, declares the Lord, my wrath will be aroused in my anger, for in my jealousy and in my blazing wrath, I declare that on that day, notice the years, the times he has done, on that day, in that day. He's not just talking about any ordinary time. He's talking about a, he's talking about a specific event. That's why I say that I believe this is uh, leading up to and going into the battle of Armageddon. We'll explain that in a minute. There shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea and the birds of heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep on the ground and all the people who are on the face of the earth shall quake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the cliffs shall fall and every wall uh, shall triple to the ground. I shall summon them a sword against God on all my mountains, declares the Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him, and I will rain upon him and his horns, and many people who are with him, torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. So I will show my greatness and my holiness, and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Now you got my letter, right? You're saying, what in the world is all that about? This is the last six chapters of Ezekiel are prophetic in nature. Some of these things that Ezekiel talks about have already happened. For example, if you were to read Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37, you'll find that there he prophesied about the reestablishment of the state of Israel. And folks, that is a miracle all in of itself. We don't have time for it today, but just let me say, I mean, you think about how many thousands of years there was no nation of Israel, and then listen, that nation came back into existence again. You tell me where the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and all those other heights that we read about in the Bible that came and went on the, the, the uh, scope of history. Israel has done something that no other nation that has existed and disappeared uh, ever done, and that is to come back and reestablish itself. And listen, that happened in 1948. So Ezekiel 36 and 37 has been fulfilled. Now, Ezekiel 40 through 48, I'm going to just get 38 to 
chapters 38 and 39, it's all about Jesus calls it a time of glory and rage for the world. And what I want you to see is that God mentions in these passages who the major players are going to be in that final end world glory. And so you're sitting there you're going, okay, but I don't know who these people are. Yes, you do. Now, those verses 1 through 6, I won't read them again, but let me give you the name. There's a confederation of nations that are going to come against God, against God's people, the Israelites. And who are they? Well, let's start, first of all, with God. Now, God is not a nation. God is a title. God is a title. Uh, it is a, a, a term that means prince. Uh, it's a term that means sovereign. Okay? And this prince, we are told, is the prince of flesh. Alright? That's who this is. It's also the prince of Magog uh, and Meshach. Magog is a nation. It is a people. It's a region. It is a region that God rules. You say, well, where is Magog? Magog is Russia. Historians tell us that is the land that is located between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. Meshach is a city. You don't know what city that is? City. Historians and uh, scholars say that they believe that to be Tobolsk. Tobolsk is a city in western Russia. It used to be the Siberian oil capital of the world. Uh, Persia, we've heard of Persia, and uh, you know, the Persian region. Uh, as a matter of fact, up in the 1940s, our man was So when I hear of these places and I read what Ezekiel says, I'm wondering, you know, is something going on now? Is there a time at hand in existence? Listen to verse 13. There's a few nations that that question these nations as to what's going on. Sheba and the Dan and the merchants of Tarshish and all its leaders who say, 
Well, have you come to see Spud? In other words, they're going to kind of, they're going to look at Magdalene, Meshach, Tubal, Persia, Cush, Bethlehem, Gomer, Bethlehem, and they're going to go, what are you doing? What are you guys doing? That's going to be the question. Have you assembled your host to carry out plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock goods and seize the great spoil? What are you doing? So these nations, Sheba and the Dan, are going to question and punishes what these other nations are doing. But you know, it's rather interesting, you know, who Sheba and the Dan are. And by the way, they're always mentioned together in the Bible. Folks, that's Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is going to go to the Dan. And Tarshish. But it's Tarshish. Here's Tarshish. And Herodias is the ancient historian said that Tarshish is located behind the pillar of Hercules. That helps better. Well, the pillar of Hercules, if you understand what the time was there, was the rock formation that uh, formed the entrance to the Mediterranean Sea. Well, perhaps no other is what the rock that you're talking Most believe that Tarshish is a reference to the land beyond that, and most believe that it's a reference to England. The ESV talks about the uh, merchants of Tarshish. Uh, the ESV is taken from the Mosadatic uh, text, which is an older text. The King James Version is taken from the Septuagint, which is a Greek uh, translation of the Hebrew. Uh, but it's interesting to see what the New King James and how it translates verse 13. I think we have that for you. Uh, Sheba and the Dan, the merchants of Tarshish, and listen, and all there beyond lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? All there beyond lions, the same thing in the ESV says merchants. Uh, it's interesting because uh, young lions were seen as young breeders, young leaders in that day. And so young lions, the idea that perhaps that is England that is reestablished. And think about the colonies Holiness and make him known, make himself known to the nations. 
I want to read meaning, but if you look at verses 18 through 21, notice these words. My blazing land, great earthquakes, mountains shall be torn down, pestilence, and I will rain upon them by fire and by storm and sorrow. Notice those phrases. Well, I'll turn to Revelation 16. But when you get to Revelation 16, you have the seventh bowl being poured out, and you have what is that final battle. Now listen to how John speaks of that day. The seventh angel poured out his bowls into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, and you've heard that before, rumblings, and you've heard that before, peals of thunder, and great earthquakes, such as there had never been since man was a leader, so great that the earthquake, the great city was split into three parts, and the city of the nations fell, and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away because there's no mountains. We've heard that before. Where do we find it? And great hailstones. We've heard that before. John tells us that these hailstones are going to be like 100 pounds each. Can you imagine being hit with something like that? Each fell from heaven on people and they cursed God for the plague of hell because the plague was so severe. Now, when you put the battle of God and Magog and the battle of Armageddon together, you begin to see some parallels. God is leading the invasion, but in Revelation we see the Antichrist is leading the invasion. In the Ezekiel we see the armies are drawn by God. In Revelation we see the armies gathered by the demon. In Ezekiel, Israel is initially at peace. But in Revelation 16, you have Israel is in the midst of tribulation. In Ezekiel, you have armies gathered to plunder Israel. In uh, Revelation, armies are gathered to fight Christ and his army. In Ezekiel, you, you see that it takes place on the mountain of Israel. In, in, uh, in Revelation, it takes place between Midigo uh, and Mordecai. Uh, and then you see in Ezekiel, attackers destroying, uh, destroyed by wild beast fire, and then the next thing is sent of God. And in Revelation, attackers are destroyed by Christ's sword and his word. So there's a lot of similarities. All right? There's a lot of similarities. Now, here's what I believe that we're seeing. I believe that Ezekiel 38 is saying these are the wars and the rulers and wars. And things are going to steadily get worse and worse and worse and worse. And at some point, I believe the rapture comes. We're taken out. And then for three and a half years, things are broken and quiet. But then things pick up again in that great battle of Armageddon. And what was going on, as what Ezekiel is saying, culminates into one great end-time battle Battle of Armageddon. They merge together to become this great battle. Kind of like the skull and the chicken in the desert. Y'all remember 
Don't you write rather short and complete Christian life? But uh, Isaac looked for glory because Jesus was coming to earth. And whether we die and go up or whether we just go up and leave the earth behind, we get in the hands of God because he's the one who has brought us to earth. So these days are all over the because we love our neighbors and we love our neighbors. But our hope is fixed in Jesus. He's the one who makes us safe. Heavenly Father, this morning, God, someone here that you have to repeat again about the relationship with you. And yet to come to you, Jesus, and say, Jesus, I give you my heart and ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, we can't be on the way to the kingdom until we join the kingdom. And we can't be on the kingdom until we come to you, until we come to the cross. But Lord, when we come to the cross, even in our failure, even when we can see that we fail, that we struggle in our humanity and our flesh, even then we are more than thankful to you, Jesus. So Lord, today, whoever it is, someone listening, someone here, that needs to make that decision, make it today. Lord, if there are times when I respond to We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.